0: Hey everybody, thanks again for tuning back into The Mound Visit. This podcast is brought to you by our great friends and everybody's great friends in the catching community, All-Star Sports. All-Star continually innovates and provides the best catching equipment from their patented S7 Access leg guards and chest protectors to their FM4000 mag traditional catcher's mask or their ultra quality Pro Elite Series catcher's mitts. Go connect with them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to look for new products on the way. All right, we are almost ready to wrap up game number two. And again, we want to say thank you to all of you for listening in. Here we go. Are we ready for the eighth inning?
1: Jason Kendall
0: making his debut. And on his first major league at bat, that's a hit.
2: Kendall's throw is in time. Great throw by Kendall. right on the money. Jason Kendall. There it is. Hit number 2,000 for the catcher. Congratulations to Jason.
0: Hey there, everybody. Thanks again for taking another mound visit with us, where we bring to you each and every week all things catching. Let's get rolling with the eighth inning and welcome 15-year Major League veteran and arguably one of the most fundamentally sound catchers to ever play behind the dish. He was a three time all star and amassed over two thousand hits in his career so please let us welcome Jason Kendall Jason thank you for taking the time with us today. We are pumped to have you on the show. how are you doing
1: good guys how are you guys doing? I know it's a tough uh, uh it's a tough time right now and you know hopefully you guys are all staying safe your family's staying safe but uh, no I, I really appreciate you guys having me on this uh this will be fun
0: this is going to be awesome we we have talked about getting you on the show or trying to get you on the show for a, a long time here. First thing we want to get into and, and knowing, like I said in my intro, that you were one of the most fundamentally sound catchers when you were playing and, and arguably over uh, the longer period of time, knowing that you were a really good blocker, we're going to start you off with our rapid fire blocking drill. So what we do with our, all of our guests is we just ask some questions back and forth and, and try to just get to know you a little bit more. All right, so my first gotcha. question for you, Jason, is this. What do you miss
1: about playing? Great question, the competition. Now, do I go on with this, or do I just say a one-word answer? And you, you can, can do going? whatever you want. I'd love to hear more a about bit. it. You know, you know what, the, the competition, and, and I'd like to think, like to think, just saying that again, um, that I'd still be backing up, catching five games somewhere, if I could still throw, but I miss the competition. You know, you see a lot of guys, when they get out, same questions asked i miss the, the camaraderie the the uh the clubhouse the flights no i don't miss any of that stuff i miss the competition and um you know it's not like one day once that season's over with you pick your own friends i don't uh, know about you guys but i don't have too many people that i keep in contact i mean i got certain friends but to answer the question the competition i, I miss that more than anything
0: incredible i love that
2: chris go ahead all right so so be, <laughs> being on the uh, as the competitive nature so sometimes we get a little over competitive and heat of the moment stuff. How many times did you rush the pitcher's mound in your career?
1: <laughs> well, it, it was more, you know,
2: <sighs>
1: I honestly I don't know, but I know I got a couple altercations. <laughs> but um <laughs> you know, I would I would never embarrass uh myself, my family, the city or team that I was playing for. Um there was always something behind it. I just wouldn't take any crap. And um I'm trying to think. Okay, Joe Kennedy was one with the Colorado, which is a funny story. Joe Kennedy and then um, John Lackey, those are the ones. But, I mean, and the other thing, I didn't like people yelling at me. I can handle a lot, a lot. But, I don't know, something just kind of went off in my head and, and when people started yelling at me. But there are all things that were behind it. And, um, you know, that's what the game's lacking now, I, I truly believe, is confrontation. And confrontation doesn't mean going out and fighting. But I mean, you know, I, I just know, go to the Astros, for instance. I know that if I'm catching and there's trash can banging, stuff like that, well, if the hitter can hear it, I can hear it. So can the umpire. So at one point, if a guy's going to take a slider that's a, a, a nasty pitch and pop it over the right center bleachers, I know something's going on. I'm going over to their, their, their dugout and, and saying, hey, you know what? Everybody's going to get hit right in the neck. Until it stops. But, I mean, and so that's what's mm-hmm. – there's little things that, like that that lack today. I mean, obviously, you're taking away the, the breaking up a double play, the, the collisions at home plate, which, God, I wish that there was no collisions at home plate when I played because it's one time, you know, especially as a catcher. Chris, you know, uh, yeah. Tyler, what position did
0: you play? Catcher. I was catcher. Oh,
1: okay. Well, then you guys know. You, I don't care if the guy's 5'5". Five, five run, he's running full speed. You don't have a chance mm-hmm. as, as a catcher, especially if it's that bang-bang play. You know, my old man always said, like, if you have a chance, you put that the ball in the glove and pop him right in the jaw because it's, it's the only time you really get a chance to defend <laughs> yourself. I mean, it truly is. But, um, so like I said, confrontation is not, you see everybody just hugging and laughing and, and patting each other on the butt and somebody gets hit and, Oh, you okay. You okay. Get, go down. I mean, listen, I'm the nicest guy in the world trying to raise a family. Um, and, you know, my kids don't even think I'm cool half the time. But, you know, <laughs> that is what it is. But uh, do you know what, what? Those three hours out of the day, people just thought I uh, – uh, that was – let's go. And I'm going out with a little bit of hate but respecting the game. And um, I don't care who's out there. I don't – I mean, i played against some of my best friends. And, you know, don't hit me on the knee. I don't yeah, – I don't I'm not going to do any of that stuff. So, go out buy you a beer afterwards. It, the hotel or wherever, but I ain't talking to you. But, and that's that's what's wrong with the game. I, I believe today. But I mean, you have to learn to change with the times as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think we're going to get a lot into the the different things about how the game has evolved today, and love to hear that on that. So going back into this, um, what was your least favorite thing about spring training?
1: Oh, geez, yeah, I, I would say the last two weeks because the position players are ready the last week I mean it, it, if you play for a while though there's nothing good about it I mean it's always fun for the first couple but you have to have it it's always fun for the first couple of weeks once you, you start playing the game seeing some people that you haven't seen in a while and um, but that last two weeks you're almost playing as a position player not to get hurt and you can't play the game like that and mm-hmm. That's where the managers have to really do their jobs. Okay, you know what? Just go get your at bats, get your two at bats, five eight Boom! Bring the minor leaguers over, let them play. So, I would say the last two weeks of uh, because hitters are ready. You, right. uh, in my opinion, you need fifty at bats. And... Yeah.
0: What, what one thing I want to say and and point out on this, um, you know, some of our viewers can't see this obviously, but uh, you have the best shirt on right now. Uh, sweep the leg from the Karate Kids. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just I love that. So I just had to point yes. that out, especially well, from, no, from I, your competitive
1: nature. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just grabbed the shirt, came down here, and tried to figure out how to put the zoom on. But yeah, no, this is a good one. Sweep the leg. It's uh, uh what a great movie that was. And you know what's funny is i I have to sit there with my kids and hey, just watch the Karate Kid. Hey, it's, it's like ten minutes. And they want to you know, go. They're like, what is, what
2: is what yeah. is that?
1: <laughs> Good movie. Yes.
2: So we were Tyler, I, I we must have been thinking the same because I was gonna go with a couple spring training questions too. The end of spring training is always, you know, you just try to get it over, report wherever you're going. But <clears throat> the very last day of spring training is almost like that unwritten rule with your team, the other team. What was the quickest spring training, last day of spring training game? that you can recall did you guys get under an hour at all
1: yes and no it depends because when I first started playing some of our last spring training games were um in well, be Bradenton or wherever I was at in spring training mm-hmm. but now as it's gone on your last two or three spring training games are in, in a big league ballpark whether it be you know your A's yep. and the Giants the uh, freeway series or that's the LA and, um, angels. But so, you know, the fans want to see, it's not obviously a packed house, but there is a lot more, but uh, as far as the time,
2: maybe, uh, maybe on the
1: minor league side. Yeah, no. Yeah. But I mean, on the, um, so swing at the first pitch get out of here and and just don't get hurt. (laughs) I mean, the the time wise, I've had some pretty quick ones. I mean, I under two hours, I would say, which is pretty amazing.
2: I want to say, I want to say that last spring training, on the minor league side up at uh, up in Bradenton, I believe it was like an hour and five minutes, hour and ten. I mean, That's it was it, we flew through it. And you know, guys like Brian Graham and, and Jeff Bannister were like, "Are you guys going to see more than one pitch in at bat?" And you know, everyone's just up there hacking. Everybody. Oh, both
1: Banny and know, The pitcher and didn't no. throw, a, throw a
2: strike. <laughs> oh, of course they did. Yeah, and Banny just reached out the other day too, so we'll probably have him on here, you know, in the next couple of weeks too. That'll be fun. He's a beauty. Um, all right, and then the next next question I got <clears throat> you now, based on your stance, was, you know, kind of more similar to today's catching than it was back then. You know, very low. But I have to ask you, how are your knees hanging up or holding <laughs> up, rather?
1: You, you know what, Chris? I, I wasn't I wasn't a big catcher. Um, so my knees are fine. It's my arm that I can't really pick up anymore, <laughs> but uh, my knees, I mean, <laughs> I, I still work out and keep in shape, but knock on wood, my, um, my, my legs are strong. I mean, I obviously couldn't go out and, and catch right now. I'd like to think I could, but um, you know, not game shape, but my knees are fine. I've had one scope on my meniscus and that was when I was in Oakland in 2000, I don't know, six or seven and knock on wood. That's, that's it. And I'm going to tell you what else I did. If you guys have knee problems, is there's this thing called Synvisc, And it literally is the top of a rooster's head, I believe. It hurts going in, but it's a shot a week in your knees. It's kind of like an oil job, ch- changing the oil in your car. And I had, it's supposed to only last a year, but I swear to you, I'm not lying. It has, it, it saved my uh, my legs and my career because it hurts, the needle hurts. But I'm going to tell you what, I have not had a problem since then.
0: Wow. Yeah, I've had two meniscus surgeries. I need to go get that shot then. I'm telling you. (laughs) Uh, Jason, my next question for you is, what was your favorite road city to play at? And then did you have a favorite restaurant in that city?
1: Oh, geez. Um, Well, Houston, because it was pretty much the only ballpark that I could hit a home run in, for the most (laughs) part. Uh, uh, Restaurant-wise, I don't know. You know what? I would... um, I'd always get breakfast. wasn't a real big lunch guy. I'd go to lunch every once in a while and try to eat something at. I can't even. I, I guess the the uh, the steakhouses that that are along the. You know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of some. Give me help me out with the, some of the steakhouses because you guys know um, Ruth's Chris or. What's the, the Ruth's Chris? The, yeah. Some of those steakhouses. That's. Yeah. I mean, when you get a chance, like when you have a day off and you go into a place, I, I would say some of those steakhouses. Very good.
2: All right, and then I've got I've got one uh, based on the fact that your dad had me a little bit as a uh, he's my catching coordinator. Who uh, who had the better arm behind the plate? You or your dad?
1: Um, well, they called him shotgun. I do know that, so I would probably say him. But it depends on what part of our careers, to be honest with you, because it turned <laughs> into from shotgun with both of us to shot put. <laughs> to be to be really serious, but um.
2: Did he? Uh, did he help you out a lot with uh, mechanics early on? You, well, you know, as you know far what, as you know kind what he of polishing
1: did. You up. Yes, absolutely. And um, I never really caught. I mean, I, I
2: remember of, he was a big, he was a big jab step guy.
1: Yeah, he, it, but you know what? And uh, he totally, is, totally, and he, um, he did. But I, he would wait for me to launch balls all over the place, and then I would go ask him. And then you know, you know, my dad. That's he'd be straight. You say hello. You're in a conversation for an hour. I'm actually very similar to him, but um, gosh, the stuff that comes out of his mouth is unbelievable. So I would call him pretty much on a daily basis, um, even when he was coaching in the big leagues. But I didn't start catching until I was a sophomore, um, in high school. Like on a regular basis, like one of the senior got a fight and suspended or whatever. And I remember the first game I went back. Uh, the the backup catcher was playing, and our coach said, "Hey, can you catch him? Like, yeah, I catch. Threw a couple guys out, and then the rest is kind of history. But, um boy what an unbelievable catching coach I had and, and I truly believe that that's the reason I stayed around for as long as I did because I had him in my back pocket meaning like I after games call hey what do you think what would you and he would just sit there and tell me and who else are you going to listen to more than your old man and somebody that's been there and done that and so I guess to answer the question I would say he had a better arm I, I had a I had a cannon though when I was younger but As far as a catching coach, I I had such an advantage over everybody, I thought. And I think if you ask any uh, player that had a father who played in the big leagues, they would say the same thing. And not just from the catching standpoint, obviously, but just from the clubhouse, the way to act, the way to handle yourself. Um, You know, how you kind of try to keep that even keel. And, and, you know, then he passed that along to others. So he definitely did that to me. And, you know, I still call him all the time now. And we don't really talk about catching anymore, but. Uh, you know, all of that I, I couldn't be happier with him every day. That it, and he took the calls, even when he was coaching. Like I said, hey, do this, do that, try it, try it, and if it helps you out, great. If it doesn't, then go to something else.
0: Are you still involved with the game at all? And have you ever been brought in as a special
1: instructor to any of the organizations that you had played in? This is technically my. Um, well, I guess it would be my second year, my first year out of the game. Uh, I was with the Royals. I went into the front office with the Royals. Um, here in Kansas for geez, eight years, two thousand eleven to nineteen, I believe, or eighteen. And um I got to watch these kids. Got to watch these kids who are grown men. I can't say they're kids, and um watch them play the game the way it's supposed to be played. And I think if you look at every team today, with the exception of the Astros, they're whatever. Um that has won the world series in the last, however many, uh, 10 years, say they have played the game. They did what they're capable of doing. They, uh, they needed to get a guy over. They get a guy over if they, and I think if you look at the teams that have won, so it was very enjoyable to me to watch. I would go on the field. I'd go over the scouting porch with, uh, uh, you know, Perez and Butera and whoever else was coming in there catching wise and, um, hit some fungos and just and kind of talk as it, it does mean something to, to players uh, with a resume. And it's not even to have to be a resume, like in the big leagues, that somebody who's played, it could be high school ball, somebody that has an idea. And um, for them to bounce stuff off. And, and it was a young team, and we were all young and dumb at some point, And, you know, you, you just help these guys out as much as possible. But the one thing that I did learn a lot about was, just, like, when, when I played, I didn't – I knew who the owner was. I knew who the GMs were and high, and that was it. I Worried about what I had to do that day to help the team win, whether you're going over a scouting report, whatever it may be. But these guys in the front office, scouts, and everything they, they work their tail, tails off. And, um, I, I really appreciated that aspect of it. I mean, I go and then I go sit up in the box with the general manager and, uh, and those guys. And one thing I've always been is I've always been straightforward. And you know, I'd be, hey, what do you think? Yes, 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 Jason, what do you think? Nah, I think he's thanks, get him out of here. You know, I, I was very. And I think they appreciated that, but at the same time, you know what? I, I um they wanted me to travel a little more, and you know my old man he didn't make the money that I made, and you know when he did come home in the off season, he had to work at UPS or work construction. So I always told myself with my kiddos, the you know if I have them, which obviously I do, and that I'm gonna um I'm gonna be there, and so I, I've had opportunities, but I've only been out one year, well including this one too, but hasn't even started yet. But I'm, I I have – my brother's a Major League Scout with the Giants. I mean, I have a lot of contacts in France. I'm not ready to do that grind mm-hmm. right now. Um, and it was great with the Royals because I would just go to home games. I, I think I went on two road trips the whole time I was there. One was the uh, World Series to San Francisco because they made me, and the other two were Toronto and the ALCS and um, New York for the World Series. This is the only one since I went on, and because and I, if the Yankees were playing the Royals, and my son or daughter had a game or a wrestling match or whatever it may be, <laughs> I'm leaving. I get yeah. I'm out of there, and they're very cool about that. So I'm still in contact, but not with an organization, I guess, so to speak. Absolutely, cool.
0: So we always ask our guest, and, and we've learned a lot about you thus far. Uh, but we always ask our guests to kind of give a, their, their little own autobiography of, of themselves. So you can make this long, you can make it short, and, and we'll just go off of that.
1: It's it, it's very short. I had a great gig for a long time and um, loved every bit of it. Gave back to the first question he asked me. Missed the competition part of it, but I really enjoy watching um, my kids whether they play baseball or soccer, wrestle, whatever it may be, football and, and I, I will say this, I am without a doubt, this is only my, my only competition now, the best Parker in all of middle school. I, I know the ins and outs, I'm right there, they <laughs> walk out of the school, I'm right there, open the door, and, but, I mean, these lines are long, and I got it, I got everybody beat at Aubrey Bend Middle School, and I'm right there, to, <laughs> so that's where my competition is today. <laughs> that's awesome, so,
0: again we talked a little bit <laughs> earlier about just how the game has evolved and changed over time and you see a lot of these young kids and in you know former infielders now being converted to behind the plate and, and I guess this question is loaded right so now you have technology in the game now you have where you know we talk about the throwing when we were coming up and playing was the most important thing for you to either get noticed seen, and then for your career to kind of jump around along with the hitting aspect of it. What do you think about how the game has evolved into more of we're basing a catcher's value on their
1: receiving metrics? Uh, well, it's, it's, you're right. It's a loaded question, but I, I got a bunch of loaded answers to throw back at you. Um, Cause you know, I, I've seen it. It's, You can hit 220 now in the big leagues if you can go out and call a game, which, hey, see, I was always embarrassed. If I didn't have a three in front of my average, when everybody looks at the scoreboard, I was embarrassed. So my last six years, I'm like, oh, God. But, um, you know, I I, I could call a game. I could – but you have to work at that. And today with technology, it's right there. You have to do your work. But you have to earn that respect from your pitchers. Um, And that's why the games are so long now especially with the younger catchers. And, and, and I think to, in today's game, coaching staffs, managers, whoever it may be, not all of them are, are a little bit more nervous or scared to talk to certain catchers and to, because they're making a bunch of money and you know, the coaching staffs, like I said, not all of them mm-hmm. are just trying to get, you know, a couple more years and so they can get a pension or whatever it may be. Um, but you have to put in your homework and get that respect from the pitching staff. And like I said, the games are long now because now you have a pitcher out there thinking. Which, as a catcher, you you better have that that uh, info in. Like, hey, you know what? Because the the All Stars, the good ones. If uh, let's think of the name, if Joe Mauer hit a, a um, two one changeup for a base hit three months ago, and then three months later he comes to Art and he gets in that situation again, he's looking for a two one changeup. These are things you have to to, to and that's when you, you know, you throw something in hard or whatever. I'm, I'm totally just making this up, but I mean, that's how my mind worked. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, the, the 300 hitters, your all-stars, your hall of famers, they remember stuff. Hitters are doing their homework as well. Uh, it, and right now, I mean, I remember when I for my first game ever, they popped a VHS tape, you know, you're in on a VCR, and, and you watch. Now it's a click of a mouse and you can boom, boom, boom. The information's there now on the offensive part of it. And you look at some of these young catchers, they don't have any idea what they're doing as far as calling the game. I mean, you get a – I'm just trying to think of a lineup right now. Uh, The uh, the Yankees or whoever. If you have two big left-handed bats in there – okay, let's just go back to Morneau and Maurer because they're – you have two – if I'm hitting behind um, Maurer and I'm I'm Morneau and there's a, a, I don't know, 2-2 slider – And then the Heat Morneau will come up, big left-handed guy, and he gets in that 2-2 count. I'm looking at a slider because these guys don't even know – a lot of these guys don't even know where they are. They just – you can break down a pitching sequence very easily. Well, I'll tell you right now, I I told Alex Gordon this. When Alex – I go, listen, this guy behind the plate right now, is young. He's not even – he doesn't care. Whatever he throws Hosmer in a sequence, that's what he's going to do to you because, you know what, you're a big lefty like Hos and – you're going to get the – so just watch what they throw him in certain counts with runners in score position or nobody on, and and just follow that lead because yeah. they're just going to do it because, oh, you know what? I got Hosmer out. Well, they're going to do it to you. And it's really not that difficult to pick up if if you just pay attention to the game instead of, you know, messing around. And it, it really is. And so I could go on for hours talking about this. Um, i do have my opinions and it is what it is but i mean with if you look at the analytics side of it now and the the old older school guys or whatever they want to call it okay i I used analytics okay because uh for base running say people ball players just like everybody else they're the creatures of habit Mm -hmm. if so-and-so has 50 stolen bases there's going to be a majority on a certain count and say i don't know two two or one one they're gonna that's well, those are times to maybe pop in a slide step or a pitch out or throw over a couple of times and kind of stop their feet. Because as a catcher, you see everything. And you should be able, in my last know, in my last 10 years, I got to the point where I didn't have to look over. So between a pitcher trying to call his own game because the uh, catcher's showing up at 4 o'clock and not doing his homework, and the catcher's having to look over, and I got to see if you're throwing over, slide step, pitch out. That's why the games are long. Right. It, it truly, truly is. But once again, you have to earn that respect from the pitching staff. And, you know, you have Joe Blow trying to call a game who's out there one every five days. Or, or even funnier, is a reliever coming in who can't see anything from whatever bullpen they're in. And then a catcher who should know you're out there every day. You know, certain little things that you can – the games are going to be long. Right. It's not, you don't need a clock. You don't need to get in the box. No, you need to actually give this information to your catcher and say, Hey, here it is. And the consequences, what are consequences nowadays because they're making so much money the playing time. That's the only, you know what, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to get somebody else in there. Cause there's always somebody back there behind you that, that, that can do it. I mean, there's very few yachties left in the game. There's very few uh, I mean, I don't even know who, you know, Grandel, there, there's not still, catching is still, and they always say, oh, it's the easiest way to the big leagues. Well, you know what it is, because there's none out there right now. There really isn't, because nobody wants to go and, and get beat up like they're doing. But right. it just it depends on who's in that organization you, to coach these the, these kids, the younger absolutely. kids.
2: I feel a lot of the, uh, the catching right now is almost kind of a, I don't know, maybe a little cookie cutter-ish where everyone's saying, hey, this is, this is the way to do it. This is how everyone's doing it. This is the most effective because we've got guys that went to Stanford that are doing analytics and saying that if you're, if you're doing this one specific type of stance or if you're handling this one specific pitch, this is the only way to do it for the best results.
1: Guys are getting lazy. Guys are getting so lazy. They're on a knee, and that is going to make you lazy. Like, even if no one's on, no one's out, first pitch and you're on a knee and you now with runners on third base all the time and it, it might not happen that game but when it does happen it's going to be embarrassing as hell like oh you guys lazy guys are getting lazy from the first pitch of the game on um and the analytics now it, uh, it's such a question I can once again go on forever it's I mean it depends on a lot of it depends on who the umpire is it really really if you have a veteran umpire like I don't believe in framing i don't th- I don't even call framing uh, I don't even use the word framing because I don't believe it I, you catch the ball where it's pitched and a lot of guys snatch it back here and there well, I don't know necessarily how the younger umpires are are uh viewing this now, especially with you know these computers kind of on their butt you know trying to take over eventually um so that maybe they might be going to more to the snatching just catch the ball where it's at soft. Now, you get like a Joe West behind the plate and you do this, it's going to, even if the ball is across the plate, it's going to be a straight coin toss, whether he, because they don't want to see that. I don't know what, like your first year umpires coming up, what they've been taught, but you're old school guys now, the guys that have been around for 10 years, umpires, they see this jerk, you're not going to get a call or it's going to be a 50 50. And that one pitch that he might do that, they call the ball and they, where is that? Well, it looked like it was outside because you're snatching. You're not going to sit here and do that to me that's why a lot of catchers have to have a relationship with umpires. Listen, even if it's uh, like, Hey, I don't like you. You don't like me, but Hey, let's work on this. And let's get this out to where you can talk. Cause as a catcher, you should talk from the first pitch on. I'm not every, but just like, Hey, and nobody even should know that you're talking. I mean, whether you're you're cursing at him or he's cursing at you or, but your bottom line at the end of the day, you're, you're trying to see what you can get out of your pitcher and what calls you can get. But, the analytics part of it, oh, framing this, framing that. I mean, there was a guy, for, uh, Tyler, who's Atlanta? Flowers. 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 He, he had, oh, he had the best. He's the worst catching the ball ever. Starts glove down here all the way. Uh, just catch the ball. His glove's moving on. But, uh, but he was number one in the, um, the ranks of the computer guys. Well, you know what? That's great. I mean, hopefully he got a trophy or whatever it is. Uh, but at the same time. It depends on who is is back there as an umpire. and oh well, well, maybe your pitchers threw more strikes than anybody else. That's why you got your little award. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, this game is about pitching. Right. And the guy behind the plate better have control over it all. But that means p- putting in work. And once again, if I was at the ballpark after 1 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game, my whole routine was messed up. It was messed up. And so I – I took pride in what I – I mean, I didn't want to wake up at 3 in the morning and oh, you should have thrown a slider. I, but I did. It's because I cared about what I did, and I cared about having the staff from bullpen to starters. Uh, just trust me, I got it. So
0: going back to what you said earlier about kind of how the, the game is elongated, and it has to be because maybe you are playing that chess match with the hitter as well as understanding your pitcher's strengths and whatnot. But I guess we, we ask a lot of our guests this question going into the the proposal of an automated strike zone do you think that that's going to have any bearing really on the catching position as far as well these guys are making money based on how they maybe like quote frame the pitch but do you feel like it's going to change it for the better the worse or or what what's your opinion on that one
1: you know what Uh... That's a good question. I mean, I heard some somebody the other day saying they're because of COVID-19 and, and the pandemic that's going on right now that they didn't know if um, umpires would be back there or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've, well, you know, test the umpire, you guys. I mean, that's all you have to do. And if he doesn't give him a the thermometer thing, um, you know, if, if there's no if there's no umpire, people are going to I'm going to to the local jail. I'm getting uh, whoever i don't just knock the ball down i don't if you catch or not and i'm having hip talk smack to, to whoever's in the in the the box but the see my whole point is the umpires policing mm-hmm. you know the umpires do police stuff you're definitely taking the human element out of it but which i love because i'm an, kind of an old school guy but i mean you you have to kind of i don't like it but at the same time i i really truly believe that the bad umpires, you gotta be accountable. You have to and if you're gonna go out there and, and you're gonna mess up this or you have a beep with somebody and you're gonna they have to be accountable. They have to be accountable just like the players are. I don't like the the um the computer calling balls and strikes. And I, I will say this, there was something funny I heard last year that I'm Sure you guys heard it as well. Somebody got thrown out by the computer or something like that. Yeah. In the Arizona <laughs> Fall League. Yeah. That that's I mean wait until somebody goes and takes a bat to the computer and then see how much they get fined. But um <laughs> I, I don't know what they're gonna do. I, I know that I'm hoping that we can get out there and play because I, I truly believe it's something that fans need, even if it's just a three-hour break from what's been going on. And i I remember 9-11. And we had the two-week hiatus and it was and it it gave some it gave people just a three hour break, whether you like baseball or you didn't, and, and I truly believe that needs to happen now. Fans, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't take my family to a game right now in, until there's a, a vaccine. Yeah. Is that gonna happen? I don't know. I mean, is it gonna be hard to to play with no fans? It shouldn't be because you're getting paid a lot of money. Um so Although
0: recently, the, you know, the owners came out and said they would want the players to subsidize their contracts a little bit or their salaries.
1: I, I did see that. And um, f- from what I know of the union and the reason ballplayers are making the money they're making right now, um, I don't see them doing that. That's why the union is the strongest union in the world, without a right. doubt. I mean, I watched my dad go through, I want to say, two strikes and a lockout. And he made more money as a coach than he ever did as a player. And that's why I'm able to do what I am here right now with, you know, watching my children grow up. And, and people need to remember that, you know, the guys that played early on and went through all these strikes and had to come home and watch, you know, work at UPS for construction. and um, That's why ballplayers are getting, you know, paid so much now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you go out and you play. I mean, you don't have a choice if that's what. But now, like I said, you're gonna have players with families. Like, I'm, I'm not having them go to the ballpark. So, there's still a lot more that needs to be done, I, I believe. But they, you know, obviously, and if they can do something by mid July, I, I think that that, however, they're gonna do the season. I, I truly believe that it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be, it'll be kind of like back. Now if they wait until if they have to wait until August, then you know it's it's going to be kind of more of a round robin which like in my sick head I think it'd be kind of cool because there's no favorite. All right, Yankees, duh, you know, the Florida Marlins might come out of nowhere and get hot for a month and a half. I
2: mean, yeah, it's a sprint.
1: It's a exactly, definitely not a marathon. I mean, and that's what you know, your are clubs that are always they know how to get to where they're at on a day, but I mean, when you play I mean, you're looking at, what, 50 games if it starts in August? or I mean, I don't know, something like that. So if they start July, I think it'll all come full, full – it'll just be normal again. But that being said, is one person gets it, they're going to shut everything down again. I truly believe that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're completely in uncharted waters. So mm-hmm. I think we all need it to come back to give something to do, but it's also a, a – Pretty big risk, but I don't think the ball players are gonna take a pay cut. I don't think the union will allow that.
2: It's crazy. Let's let's switch uh switch topics a little bit. So name of the podcast obviously is the mound visit. Now when I when I was with Pittsburgh, it was a it was a time where there was a lot of a lot of shuffling between the minor leagues and the big leagues, especially with pitchers. So with the younger guys that were being shot up to pittsburgh you know kids that were early 20s you know and just hey we're you're you're early round pick we're gonna have you put some numbers up and we're getting you right to there so when you would go ahead and see a guy struggling or a kid that was kind of a, a deer in the headlights you know kind of looking at the the stage that they're on you know when you went out to the mound obviously you're already well established you know there's a, a tremendous respect factor you know what was what were the kids like? And I don't want to use kids because they're they're major league pitchers. But the younger guys, you know, the you guys, the one yeah. or two year guys, when you go out to the mound, was there any? Hey, I got a really gut feeling on this. This is what I want to throw. My best feeling, or they're just like, yes, Mr. Kendall, I'll do whatever <laughs> um, well,
1: you say. Well, you know what? It's funny you say that. It's a great question because there are certain times where you you get you have to 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 go out and be like, hey, and I, but once again, it go, it goes back to earning the respect. And knowing, because at the end of the day, the pitcher has the ball in their hands. If they want to throw the slider down and away, and I think the fastball down and away is good, I'll go up to the mound and be like, hey, you know what? You want to throw that? Uh, you better bury it. You better bury it. But it's not a bad egg. Hey, because you want, you want them to have full conviction of what they're throwing, obviously, as you guys know. But if you, all right, I think you're still a fastball, but by the time you take two steps back, let's go with the fastball. Because they know you've done your work. But a lot of times, just to go out and take a, a blow, hey, you know, uh, you know why, why does uh, Tigger have no friends? Because he always plays with Pooh. And then I'd walk away. Just <laughs> something <laughs> stupid and dumb that people, and I never took my mask off. I never, just tell them a dumb joke, because what, what, you're, <laughs> what you're doing is you're taking their mind off of, and you don't want these guys to think. I mean, there's certain guys, like Greg Maddox calls his own game, like, he literally called it, by the way, caught the ball back from, and I figured it out eventually. But I mean, there's certain smart guys that, that do their homework that know that obviously they're Hall of Famers. But,
2: but he, would, he would tell you what, was, what he wanted to throw based he would on how he would Eddie catch Perez the ball. Or,
1: or Javi Lopez, yeah. who was catching, by the way, he caught the ball. And um, I started noticing it like maybe, I don't know, second year. And then uh, I got, okay, you know what? I didn't know it was going to be, you know, same cut, I knew it was going to be hard or soft. And, and down, down below was soft. And I'm like, all right. So I sat out something soft. Didn't know exactly if it was going to be you know, a breaking pitch, change up. Um, and then I was—I didn't really tell anybody because I didn't want to to know if I was, but I kept watching. And then I started letting people know. And we started beating them up. But then I was fortunate enough to be in Milwaukee with Mike Maddox. And I asked him because me and him were butt heads all the time about, well, you know, one of the best pitching coaches ever. But I go, so, hey, let me tell you, Greg always – called most of his games, he goes, yeah, by the way, he caught the ball. And I said, I knew it, I knew it. (laughs) And it was funny because we always had uh, good numbers against Maddox. And uh, but I I didn't know for my first couple years, but he's twice in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's that good. He does his homework and
0: so uh, I want to talk to you. You have young kids and they're probably, you know, maybe heavy on some social media platforms and whatnot. you were a really good hitter. You were one of the only catchers that I can remember that was a leadoff hitter in some cases how much are you aware of, of what's happening on social media with regards to, and I'm going to shift this a little bit into to hitting, but with all the hitting stuff that's going on and, and you know, Jeff Fry has kind of been the, um, you know, pace setter with this kind of debunking a lot of the, the new hitting styles. When you were in the Royals organization uh, helping out last year, are you guys, you know, the coordinators, are the big league guys talking about that? My assumption is, is they're probably not. They're probably saying, okay, I got 98 thrown at me. I better be on time. Right. So I'm just curious if, if you've seen a lot of this stuff and, and just kind of what your opinion is, because we've we've heard it already from, you know, the catching side, you're a competitor, you're a bulldog behind the plate. And, and obviously it shows at the plate, you're a bulldog. So honestly, your opinion on all this garbage that's going on?
1: Um, I, I, number one, I don't check social media that much at all. Um, but I, I know there's a lot of stuff out there because I have been coaching, you know, I get my son is 16 now. And he's a pretty good little player. And um, it's whatever, it, it truly is. It's just like catching to me. I mean, listen, they told me I couldn't catch the way I caught. Well, I did it for a long time. You don't fix what's not broke. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. And in all honesty, it's a way for people to make money, but it might work for somebody. I mean, these guys, yeah, oh, hey, I'm going to give you this video. I'm going to do this and that. And well, you yeah, give me 100 bucks too it might or might not work every this is where parents need to kind of take a step back your every kid is not going to be mike trout or or serena williams or, or whatever sport they it's not going to happen i mean very that's, there's a reason that there's only been 22 to 26,000 players that ever wore a big league uniform because it's hard to get there it is hard to stay but i mean if it works for for your child absolutely and obviously the work ethic is what is going to get players to another level you have to work it's not just handed to you you know and, and I tell my son that all the time like hey and this is the way my father raised me like I can help you out I can and obviously at different times I mean I have a cage in my house so we go down and hit and and we'll do whatever and but I go I'm not gonna tell you you figure out yourself and then when you want me to help you out. Let me know. I, I this is the one thing I can't do your geometry, but I can tell you, you know, how to hit or 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 make it to where you're comfortable. The first thing, get into the box is you have to. I don't. I mean, Julio Franco, he was like this, but you know what, Julio Franco's head never moved. So I mean, if I, it's a way for some people to get money, and some of it's great advice, thousand percent. And my all of it might be good advice, but it has to. The, the, the kid has to want it, and the kid has to – the parents can't just fork out money and think that one lesson from some guy or some video that you, he sends is going to change your kid. I mean, you got to be comfortable, keep your head still, and see the white thing and hit it. That's truly – that's the way I looked at hitting. Because if you think too much when you go in the box, you're going to be owed to and you don't have a chance.
2: Do you think there's more emphasis today on – Hey, I'm not worried so much about my average uh, versus how many home runs I can hit, you know, has the, has the art of hitting, you know, like with yourself with guys like, you know, Tony Gwynn, you know, the, the, the whole contact, the spraying, you know, I'm uh, the small ball. I'm going to hit and run. I'm going to move guys over. I'm going to, I'm going to work gap to gap, you know, versus today. It's like everyone fans, especially are, well, he went one for four, but he did hit a home run. So that's really good even though he struck out 300 times a year and, you know, and has 300 strikeouts, Another you know, where's, question. where's the line?
1: I'm going to give you the great example. And this is where analytics come in. And I think you can YouTube, the, YouTube this or whatever the Astros were playing the Rangers. And I believe it was in Houston. This is before they cheated and whatever. Um, Joey Gallo was up. It's a one, one game or a, it's a tie game. I don't know what the score was eighth inning. They have, There's not one person on the left side of uh, the infield. Even the left fielder was basically playing center field. And you walk up to the box, and you look, and you're hitting 220 or whatever it was. Like, that's not cool. I mean, I don't care who you are. If you're hitting 220, that's and it's just not – it's like you're getting ready to get sent out. Obviously, he probably has 20 home runs this time. This is where your veteran players need to come in. All he really had to do, and listen, oh, I can't bunt. I can't bunt. No, BS. If you're in the big leagues, you can bunt. I don't care if you're Ken Griffey Jr. or who. You have the eye-hand coordination to square around and put a bunt. All You can just like slap it that way, and you got a base hit. And let the next guy do it. If I was a veteran player and I saw that, and what happened was he rolled over to the center fielder playing deep second. I mean, he rolled right into it. Get, a, get on base. And as a matter of fact, you got a double if you just slap it. Now the winning run's on, and he ended up rolling over, and not one person said anything to him. A.J. Hinch, I mean, obviously we, we all know that um, he, his guts are lacking, um, didn't say one word to him. Uh, the veteran guy in there at the time didn't. If I'm a veteran player, dude, we got a 1-1 game in the eighth inning. We need somebody on. Uh, we can butt the next guy over, but all you have to do is – and these guys have that great of eye-hand coordination to where they can do that. Mm-hmm. So, the um, nobody, but nobody says anything. And I, I, was, guy, I was
2: watching a game. I was watching a game last night, and it was actually the Pirates versus the Cubs from, I, I want to say, 04. It was Jason Bay's rookie year. And I think it was at the end of the season. Um, I'm trying to remember who was even – Matt Clement was pitching he just came off a right um, rehab assignment or whatever, and he was he was very wild the the first few few innings of the game and I remember their the talk on the on <clears throat> on the show was, hey, you know who's going to get the the rookie of the year? It's between Bay and and um, Khalil Green you know and I think at the time Jason had like twenty three or twenty four home runs, and sure enough, there was a shift. he dropped down a bunt. You know, Clement made a great play on him to throw him out, but you know that's just you don't. I don't really see a whole lot of of that that art. You know, I
1: I, I missed the first part of your question. You're kind of breaking up a little okay. bit. Okay, but...
2: yeah. So so I was watching a game on YouTube last night, which was 2004. It was Pittsburgh versus the Cubs. Um, Matt Clement was pitching right after a um, he came off an injury. It was at the very end of the year, it was a September game, and at the time, Jason Bay is up there, and they had a shift on. Uh, he's got 23, 24 home runs at the time, and right there, he drops a bunt down down the third base line. And you're not gonna you're not that's gonna where, see that from where, the power hitters. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I caught
1: you at right there. Um, but, uh, but you know what? No, you're right. He, he, Jason Bay he knew how to play the game and and a, a team game. And I guess my best example of this uh, it would be Mike Moustakis and Mike Moose. Change the ship. There are the scouts. There are everybody's here. You got your advanced scouts plus all this computer stuff now. Change it. Change change the scouting report on you. I mean, if you got he will bunt, so now you're going to have to. So that little hole in between first and second where you roll over and get all your knocks, that's going to be open. But you have to change it. And let me tell you what Mike has went from hitting two forty to three twenty in a matter of like two months, and it's because he dropped a bunch down. Oh, got a knock. Got. And he learned how to hit the ball the other way. He learned how to beat the ship. And it was funny because then everybody had to, you know, they had to hold your ground a little bit because the boys from Harvard don't, they didn't know that, hey, somebody might actually change this. And and what do we do now? Well, you know what? He started getting hits left and right. I mean, it was to the point to where it was so fun to watch. And, but that's the, obviously I watched him every day for, you know, six years, but. Watching him change from just a pull, pull, pull guy to beating the shift, making them change and having so many game-winning hits because guys didn't know what he was going to do. So you have to learn to change with the game, which were all the times and everything. But, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody feels happy for the most part if you get hits (laughs) when you go to sleep at night. It really truly is. I got a hit. I got a couple hits. And if you have something wide open for you that's right there, take it. Now, it goes back to looking at the scoreboard. The scoreboard dictates the situation. I mean, it's right in front of you. And people are just like, they're more, I, I am so sick of watching right-handed hitters in an eighth inning with a 0-0 tie, run around second base, no outs, and right-handed hitters hooking balls into left field stands. Like, at least show me an effort of getting them over there because yeah. next thing you know, nobody wants to play extra innings. <laughs> you don't get paid for extra innings next guy hit a sack fly. he has to get out of there you get a cold beer really quick
0: so what what was the conversations like when you're sitting up in the box with say Dayton Moore or something like that and you see a guy you know and Alex Gordon I think has also evolved himself too because you know he had some struggles early on in his career um but what do you hey like this is going to allow us to win a ball game here like you just said moving the guy over whether it's you know He's hitting the ball the other way, or um, if it's a right-handed hitter, he's guy at second base, he's hitting behind the runner and moving him to third. He's 90 feet closer with less than two outs, right? Um, what Are you having those conversations with those guys? I mean, obviously, there's a pecking order with all this stuff that goes on, but were you blunt enough to say, no, that's just wrong. That's just bad baseball right
1: there? Yeah, and it got to the point with Dayton and I. He'd be like, Jay, you got it? Yep, yeah, I got it. I'll get him tomorrow. And I'd go the next day into the, I mean, it really did. It, it wouldn't even have to, it may, maybe the first year be like, hey, this can't happen. Hey, well, could you go down and take care of it? Yeah. I, what, like, I didn't care. I'm, I'm trying to help these kids out. What are you going to do, fight me? I'll knock you on your ass. Excuse my language. But I mean, that was that was the, but, but I also had a resume. And, yeah. Yeah, but it got to the point like three, four, five years into it, like, hey, can you handle that? Got it. And I'd go first thing the next day. Obviously, I'm not going to really try to do things I could do anything that night going on a clubhouse and tell these guys, but I would do it because I was there early mm-hmm. um, going over, you know, work and stuff or whatever. And um, I'd let them know like, Hey, this is not how you, you, you do things. I mean, you have this situation. At least it's, you're not going to get them over every time, but right. I mean, you, you know, someone's trying and it's not filleting it over there. Just try to swing it over there and good things are going to happen. But I mean, you still have to play the game and you know, the names are going to change. Obviously we've all heard that quote but you still have to play the game if you want to win a world champion. I mean, that, that really is what – like I said, getting back to everybody but the Astros in the last 10 years, you look at what they've done. They did what they're capable of doing. They didn't try to do too much. I mean, Alcides Escobar, all right, he's been swinging everything. He knew what he was capable of doing. He'd get a guy over. He, he, they knew what they were capable of doing, and they did it, and that's why they won a World Series in 2015. I think it's
0: it's great that you say that because you look at those teams it's like the analytics goes out the door and i know you played for the oakland a's and you know the money ball is is kind of what everybody you know uh, zones in on as far as how the oakland a's have played the game but you watch these teams like the boston red sox hitting and running
1: stealing bases you don't see that anymore
0: you don't see no. stealing bases anymore it's crazy no,
1: you you have to go outside the box and it's not everybody but i i mean i definitely know managers now who have jobs that when they go in for an interview like hey do do you care if the lineup's already made out and put on your desk before you get here to work tomorrow they'll be like yeah which you know to each zone if that's how you i would never do anything like that no i mean you're gonna hire me to be a manager i'm gonna bring my people in i'm gonna do it my way you take care of the front office stuff if we need a certain part you go get it um but there are you have to think outside the box nowadays. And, you know, hit and run with a, a, a runner on first and second, no outs. What do you got to do if, if you have the right personnel up? Hit a grab ball at third base because he's got to cover the third. I mean, just little things that you will never see. But if you think outside the box a little bit, everybody's in this box now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they don't want to go outside the box because their job's probably going to be in jeopardy if they do.
2: <clears throat> well, Jay, back to, back to, uh, Back to catching a little bit. So when you, would, when you were setting up, you were, you were very low to the ground, you know, and a lot of the, the talk today is, you know, these guys there were the uh, – let me rephrase that. So when I played, as well as yourself, it seemed like the trend for pitchers when they were attacking hitters was corner to corner. You know, work a little bit off the plate, maybe come back if you're behind – Today is more or less, hey, I'm going to try to blow it by somebody toward the top of the zone, and then we're going to try to throw something soft underneath, but it's more of a north-to-south game. Did you find yourself, because the people always talk about having a view of the bottom of the zone, and do you feel that just with the way that you set up, because you were lower to the ground, where it made that pitch a little bit easier for you to handle and to get still get guys to roll over and go down in the zone, where it burst Anything up in the zone obviously is going to get hit in the gap or, or even further.
1: I mean, there's, there's a um, time depending on, depending on who's hitting to, to go up in the zone or, you know, Vladimir Guerrero, you can go, you can throw it behind him and he's still going to swing. But you can go, I would middle away, middle end, because I don't care if you throw 120. If you see it as a hitter, these guys are that good. If you see it as a hit, and everybody throws 98 now. You see it once or twice, you're on it, and you're going to get it because these hitters are that good. Um, running a ball. But, I mean, you set up on the corners, you're giving your pitcher, depending on if he has, you know, if he can hit a Nat's ass or whatever it may be. I mean, you're, not all the pitchers are like that. Um, middle away and down because if it's down, especially with something that's moving, you're, even if it's middle of the plate, it's going to be beating the ground. It, it truly is. But the ball up in the zone is the one. Every, now there's times to go higher than high, absolutely. But it better be higher than high instead of – and that's why you see a lot of home runs now is because guys are trying to go higher than high. But then what happens, especially with a, a sinker ball or two-seam pitcher, guys that have a good two-seamer or, or something that sinks down, um, if they do try to throw a four-seamer up, which they're not really used to doing, it's going to take them a pitch or two to get that – to get back down again. So that next pitch, in all honesty, is going to be middle of the plate whack instead because it's going to take, oh, I'm going to go higher than high. I got an 0-2 pitch. All right. Everybody's 0-2 oh, pitch. Let's go higher than high. No, I'll just make a, a – a, a, give me some type of an out pitch. Make a pitch. See if the catcher can get a call on the black. But you get a two – you get a sinker ball pitcher that's trying to elevate and their neck pitch, it's not going to be down where they are because it takes them – that angle that they have, it takes about a pitch or two to get back to that angle. So that's why another thing that just really irritates me with this is that people like, yeah, he has a good two-seamer or whatever. We're going to try to elevate. Okay, well, you have to understand that it's going to take his two-seamer a couple pitches to get back down in the zone. And usually that next pitch is going to be hit hard somewhere. But it's I I definitely don't – I mean, everybody always said when I – your safety zone is down and away. And it still is. It's hard to hit if it's a good down and away fastball for a strike. And these guys playing defense, they're they're the best of the best. I mean, they're pretty darn stinking good. So let them do some of the work. And especially with all this analytical stuff that's going on, pitchers can't throw over 100 pitches anymore. You might as well try to get as many quick outs as possible. And, you know, striking out, great. But You'd also just probably threw about four or five pitches.
2: With that being said, where, you know, you would see – you would see some of the older guys um, back in the, in the two thousands and that, you know, early, you know, 2012, 13, you'd see guys that would, would throw more pitches, you know, where today it's almost like we're going to let the guy go maybe 80 to hundred pitches. And then we're going to have our, our two, three guys in the bullpen come out for an inning. And then the pitch do you think that there's more, like if you were managing, okay, what would, what would be different? From your approach, than a lot of the stuff that you see right now.
1: I would go off the field of the the pitcher. I wouldn't be having someone from up top call our trainer, send a phone over, telling me what to do. Your veteran guy, you should know your your personnel. Um, You really should. Who could like Justin Verlander? All right, he's proven. Scherzer, he's a he has a he's got a track record. So these guys can do it. Your horses and they and they, you can see in their eyes when you go out to the mound as a manager like, hey, how you doing? I, I got it. Let's go. You can see in their eyes if they got it or don't got it. And at the same time, go to your catcher who should be your manager on the field like, hey, you know, Skip, he's losing it. We you, get him out. Um, so you you should have. But I mean, you can look at someone and see if they have it or they don't have it, anything you know left in the tank. So I wouldn't kill anybody and throw them like 150 pitches, but I would that's how you that's how you not only um your the other four starting pitchers or the other and I'm assuming we're talking about starting pitchers are going to want to follow that. Say say it's your big gun, your Zach Granke or whoever it may be. The other ones that are behind that wait, wait a minute. He just dropped 110 pitches. He he had the the he went out there and gave it that little extra at the very end when they're going to want to do that. And that's kind of how you get a, a five-man rotation to where they can just roll. They feed off each other. They truly, truly do. And um,
2: so if I was managing Almost like in-season competition versus all of them. You did this. I'm going to really do the same is, thing, if not better. Absolutely. thousand percent. So
0: one thing I wanted to follow up on, on kind of this talk about you know, throwing east and west, north and south, et cetera. So I want you to put yourself back into um, a time where you were – when Barry Bonds walked to the plate. And, and kind of bring up maybe a pitcher that was throwing at the time, how would you have tacked Barry Bonds? How the best. He,
1: he was the best hitter I've ever seen. I mean, hopefully he gets himself out. <laughs> I, honestly, if not, walk him. I mean, depending on the situation of the game. Um, Yeah. I mean, he was like playing wiffle ball with, you know, 10 year olds. He was that good. He was one of the only bats that I've heard. You can hear it go through the zone. I mean, he was that quick. I mean, you know, obviously he has this whole steroid thing on, you know, whatever, but he didn't need to. I mean, this dude was that good. He, He was so good. And so, uh, uh, I mean, he was better than anybody I've ever played against. I mean, he was, What's funny is about five years. It took me five years to figure out how to pitch Tony Gwynn. That's another one that you know was that good, and, and and I finally figured it out. And how you used to get Tony Gwynn, I would throw a just a four seam fastball right down the middle of the plate. He didn't know what to do with it. He'd roll it over to second every time <laughs> because he was such a good hitter. He would anything else, double double. He was that good. But no, Bonds, don't let him beat you yeah go to the ballpark, don't let him beat you. And if you get in a situation where uh, he might have a chance to beat you, let him get himself out.
0: back into again spring training, you know those got long. What were some of the things that you did to prepare yourself for a hundred and sixty two game season or catching hundred forty games a year?
1: you know I, I I busted my butt in the off season yeah um i, I and I just maintained you out know, what I didn't do any legs during the season because I was squatting every night anyhow. Um, but I wanted to play. I always knew that there's gonna be something that I could do to help the, the team win that day, even when I was uh at the end of my career, whether it be you know calling a game or getting the guy over, whatever it may be. Um but I mean there's a lot of work into it as well that I had to, to put up in you know in the offseason. Yeah. So I knew I was gonna catch 140 games because like I said, I think I think the size I've been the same weight in I wasn't always putting that much pressure on my knees, but um, the the offseason, the offseason is where you get uh, your strength. And then you also have to have a mindset now. I mean, it it gets to the point now where some of you guys, oh, I got a little twinge in my hamstring. Oh, can you play? Oh, no, I think I might need a day. You don't need a day. Go out and figure out how to help the team out and and, and win. Um, And, you know, it's it's a different story. And I loved playing, though, to be honest with you. I I loved playing the game, and, and I always knew I could do something in the game. To, to help us win.
0: So your dad was a major league catcher, and what were what was some of the advice that you got from maybe not him, so this is going to somebody else, as far as, like, learning how to call a game? We always try to ask guys, you know, where do, where do you learn that? Because anymore from an amateur standpoint, you know, the coaches are calling it at the high school level or the college coaches are calling it because their jobs are on the line. So when these kids get into pro ball, they have no clue where to start. So where did that foundation get you know laid for you?
1: Yeah, obviously my father. I mean, it, I had a father who played in the big leagues for twelve years, and it still took me a good four or five years to learn how to call a game. And I'm being serious when I say that. And who's on the mound? What do they have that you know that day? What are they? Who are we facing? What are, you know? Who's hot? Who's not? Um, is their feet moving up? I mean, the good ones, you can see like a little inch. You can see their feet opening up. If someone's throwing a heart, you know, trying to pound you in. Well, that's when you go down and away. You can see little things, but you have to pay attention. It's not just one, two, you know. It's, you have to have an idea of what's going on. And like I said, it took me five years to kind of figure out how to call a game. Then I'm like, I, I, I got it now. But you have to do your homework. And you have to – you're not always going to be right. And, you know, I would go, okay, what who do I have matchup-wise matchup in the bullpen? I got this lefty against this lefty. What did he do against – you have to just know the um, – and like I said, right now it's all right there in front of you. It's just a matter of if you want to put the work in or not. And you know who does and you know who doesn't. So as far as young kids calling a game, um, you know what? Have soft hands. Call a game. Watch the hitter's feet. Watch where they're going, if they're bailing, if they're, you know – just kind of watch the hitter because you're the only one that can see it. The mm-hmm. manager can't see it from where he's at. The uh, None of the players can. And you're the only one that can see the little movements that these hitters will make on certain pitches.
0: So did you have – and we asked a couple of our previous guests. We just had Dan Wilson on. He's been involved with their – the Mariners kind of minor league system as far as learning how to call games. Are you involved at all with, with Salvi or – drew or anybody like that that said okay hey this is how this is what i did as as a you know major league veteran this is how i prepared to i guess create my own scouting report you know mentally and then this is how i enforce it into a game did have you had any
1: uh, you oh know? yeah yeah I and mean, then how to watch video how to but it all goes back to what that person has that day okay it says hey you know what we you know don't throw him a spider well, if he's got a good one and the situation pops up, you have to go with your gut. Your gut's going to be right a lot more than it's going to be wrong. And I did that a lot. And um, but it also has to go with you know the, the, the personality of the guy. Is he a, you know does he need to be led? Does he do I go out and just say hey let's go? I'm going to put it down. You throw it. I mean it has to do with all those things that um, and, and as you guys know. So yeah, I would go for scouting reports all the time, but you know, at, at the heat of the moment, if there's something that you think, even though it might be against the books or whatever they say, and that's where you have to go and take the heat if something does happen. You know, I, I thought you weren't back there. I I was, and I thought, that, but you got to be able to take the um, the good with the bad. I mean, you know, it's my fault I called it, and take the which you, you didn't. Yeah, you called it. You didn't throw it, but take that heat for the pitchers and you know tell your manager like hey my bad I thought I, I thought I had something there um but it it's funny because starting pitchers as you guys know they might be lights out in the bullpen or they might stink in the bullpen and then be lights out on the mound and it's a different world when you get out there on the mound and there's you know you're out of that bullpen down there so I mean it's that's one thing that's lacking today is game calling and like you said earlier it's because of this it's because of what can this guy over there call that? I mean, it's let these kids call their own games. That's how they're going to learn. That's how they're going to, to. like I said, there's no catching anywhere. That's how these kids are going to get better. Um, and then you just, you hope that it sinks in somewhere they just, Oh, you know what? I remember I got this guy out. Uh, all right. and then you, And then they apply it to the game. And. They're like, wow, okay, I got it. And then they get more – it takes, honestly, one or two times, you guys know, to where, oh, man, I thought that was going to work, and it did work, and uh, and then you just jump into it, and, like, there's going to be certain situations that pop up, you're like, yep, got it. But, I mean, it truly is, it's watching – there's so many different things that go into calling a game, and good for Dan Wilson for doing that and being there, because these kids don't know. Especially college, high school, that's all p- pitching coach or manager calling it from the – the sides and and that's that's no good.
2: So one of the things I've always talked with the kids that I've worked with even even when I was playing and kind of you know getting toward the end of my career where you know younger kids um, you know that I would kind of work with and talk with you know try to uh, try to help. We have the obviously before the game you'd have your spray charts you'd have your your scouting reports who's hot who's not. Did you ever keep a book? Um, like a little notepad and just on your personal stuff, what you saw that in just set to write down for something that might come up later in the year.
1: I, I, I did to start and then I didn't have to. My, I, honestly, my mind was so, my mind just worked that way. I mean, I couldn't, like I said, tell you how my, to call my kids or my, do my kids geometry homework or science homework, but I could tell you what I threw Todd Helton 20 years ago in a two, one count it was a backdoor curb he like buckled on and then it rolled over to second base. so I mean that honestly my mind really worked that way so after a while I mean it, I started doing that and then I'm like because you get the packets on your chair whatever before oh. each series and you know I, I'd look over them because listen you're not always going to be right so there might be something that you can pick out of somewhere and situations might not always pop up but you better be prepared when they do pop up so um but my my mind, I just I, I whoever was coming in the next night, I already knew who was hot, who was whatever. I didn't want to think like that, but I did. And and um, once again, I'd go refresh my mind the next day about one o'clock. Look at all the video. Look at the last game that who, our pitcher might have pitched against them, or if he didn't, then somebody similar to our pitcher and our bullpen guys. And I won't overthrow all that. I mean, I was I was probably over prepared. but I guarantee nobody was would out prepare me. Or has Alpha Perry every game that I played, and that's just how my mind worked. Now I'm like I said, I'm so prepared to pick up the kids from school. It's unbelievable.
2: <laughs> you crazy. said early. You said earlier that the one thing you did not, you weren't the hugest fan of, is obviously guarding the plate. You know, and having the the collisions being uh, perfectly legal. So when they took away the sliding into second, took away the collisions at the plate. You know, is it something you think hurt the game, or do you think it was it's for the better?
1: No, I, and and to to no, I I miss the collisions as a um as a fan or somebody watching. Those are good stuff. I mean, that's I I, I think it hurt the game, but I mean, it's not. There's nothing I can do about it. I, I think it's an exciting play for fans, um, both of them, and I, I think it's it's something that. I mean, it's all oh, the Posey rule that's posy Well, nobody ever said that Buster Posey was set up wrong. Everybody just knows that one of the stars got hurt. Yeah. Nobody ever has ever even said that uh, the kid that was on second base from the Marlins, I can't think of his name, was just doing his job. It was a 1-1 game. And Buster Posey was not set up the right way. I mean, it's really simple to you put your left foot on the top of the corner and you have it straight down the third base line, and you can go from right to left. And but Buster Posey was behind the plate, and his knees buckled. He was not set up; his knee was not stable. But then they go. Out like, he they was go. on both.
2: He was on both knees. Yeah, you know, that—that's the one thing I've always wanted. If we could ever get him on the show, or you know, mutual friends or whatever, I would love to just ask. You know, don't take this the wrong way, but you got to play at the plate, okay? Thank God you left your mask on for one, but for two, what are you thinking? Go dropping down on both knees, thinking that that's going to do you any good with a with a moving object coming full steam at you. And, you, know, you know, I would, I yeah, I looked at that as just, listen, if you were on your feet, you know, even if you're squatting down real low, trying to under, you're not going to get, you're not going to get smoked. The guy's going to go it, over it, the top and, of yeah, you. And, and if
1: you show a little plate, they're going to slide. I mean, yeah, most of these guys don't want contact either. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, but I mean, he, he wasn't set up. It wasn't stable. And so, I mean, they made that rule because of that. And, you know, Utley crushed, the second baseman, nobody even has ever said that. Did he go, Well, you know what? Does anybody else here know how much adrenaline's going on in, a, in a, a playoff game? And it's a lot of adrenaline. Did he maybe, nobody crushed it, was, you know, but they they made that rule and you hit this, hit that. But it's, I don't know. I mean, is it, it this is a game softer? A little bit, but you have to learn to change with it. And um, these guys are still unbelievably so talented. And, uh, I mean, they really are. So, I mean, I hope I hope the game comes back and hope everybody stays safe and just, you know, for something to watch, some people to watch.
0: Jason, going kind of back into our rapid-fire blocking drill, but uh, just a quick question for you. Who was the best pitcher you ever caught?
1: Stuff-wise, at one point, Rich Harden from the A's. I mean, it just he was just filthy. Now, he obviously didn't have the career that we expected him to, um, but so 99 had a split is like a knuckleball. I was, I was hard to catch. So I can only imagine how hard it was to hit. Um, had a, he called it a changeup. It was a slider. I mean, just he, the way the ball is just smooth, fluent. At one given point, he was the best I've ever got. Now, that didn't obviously last, but well, he was filthy.
0: Now in today's game, is there somebody that you would say, hey, and I really think I could take his career and really, uh, I guess, elevate it to another level, a pitcher-wise?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't watch a game like a fan anymore. I analyze certain things. I mean, that's just part of you know, what I do. But, um, oh, yeah, I, 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 I'm an old man now. I, I, I just sit here and, and watch the games. But, yeah, I don't watch a game like a fan. And just, I just I, and There's so many talented young players now out there that they they don't even know that the sky's the, the limit for them and they they have the world by the you know what and it's fun to watch and see that that ability in, in in watching these guys it's like I mean I can sit here and name names all day but I don't it's gonna be the same name as you guys name but it's definitely fun to watch
0: you have a 16 uh, year old son is he a catcher as well you
1: know what no and he's he's caught like I, I've had to um uh, use him back there he plays the infield but I mean I, I did the same thing the sophomore now good little player he's got sick hands he's got really really good hands so uh he can play I gotta knock him down every once in a while because he thinks uh you know it's not like he ever goes and watches old man videos or anything like
2: that but uh I'll
1: knock him down does he, does he
2: crowd the plate as well
1: he, he, he's right on
0: top he's right on top You <laughs> ain't lying following up on that is he committed anywhere yet? Um, has he had interest from any schools anywhere? We
1: started looking a little bit. He he played for a couple uh national teams. I don't want to say national teams, but he's been playing in some pretty big tournaments. One, the ones down in Atlanta, the ones, you know. Perfect played, game. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And uh, the one in Arizona played for, you know, Nate Trosky last year. Uh, and He's, and like, it's just now. I mean, it's what so I'm more worried about, but it's a trickle down effect. I'm more worried about the minor league players this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to play. I don't, these, they, they can't, I don't think they can afford to take a, a full year off. Um, hopefully they get some type of instructional league, make it longer whatever, but I mean, it's just a trickle down effect. I mean, nobody's played in three months. So yeah. we haven't really done anything.
2: And it's going to be a five round draft. too.
1: Yeah. It's a five round draft. So you're, you know, you're limiting a lot of people, but um we need to visit some places and, you know, he can go where he wants to go, but uh, not, nothing now because we haven't played. He's a he, he good little player.
2: Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, Jay, we, we, we want to thank you for coming on here. This was, this was awesome. It's, it gives us and everyone else, you know, kind of a little baseball fix, especially at the catching position to to hear from guys like yourself, what made you successful and just things that they can listen to and, and take back that'll, that'll help them, whether it's game calling, receiving, or, or even hitting approaches. So, you know, this this is great. I, you know, we hope your family stays safe throughout all of this. And, you know, love to have you on again in the in the future down the road, hopefully when we're all playing. And then we can, you know, sit and analyze some stuff uh, all together if you're up for it too.
1: No, I you know, and, and I greatly appreciate it. I would love to come back on. Um, you know, just for everybody out there that is listening, as far as kids and the, somebody that wants to catch it, if – you. There's not one way to do things. There really isn't um, behind the plate. There, you can take advice, but you know what? My, one of the biggest things I did was I watched other catchers. I watched them, and there might be something in Brad Ausmus's game that I could maybe take and use and put in my game. It might work. It might not work. But I think the, the, the biggest thing about catching is just watching other players mm-hmm. and, and trying to take something. But just remember smooth hands. You gotta, and you got to know you have soft hands, too. Right. you got to know you're sweet. And just know your hands are sweet and and, uh, the game definitely needs catching. So I'm glad you guys are doing something like this because it's something that I haven't haven't even heard of. So kudos to you. you guys ever need any help, please let me know. And you guys stay safe as well. Thank Thank you, Jason. Thanks
2: again. Take care. Take care.
0: Wow. We are all speechless. Incredible episode to say the least. We want to give a huge shout out to Jason for not only his time today, but sharing his passion for catching and for baseball. This may make you rethink how much grit you have behind the dish. Thank you all once again for continuing to drive the show forward by providing feedback on our social media platforms. We can't do what we do without you. So from all of us at The Mound Visit, please stay safe, stay tuned. We'll catch you real soon.